And uh, this morning we're going to talk about loving people, which I know you'd be shocked to hear me talk about that. So I want to begin by asking, what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it look like to be a Christian? What would you expect from someone who is a Christian? You might see them drive out of their driveway every Sunday morning at the same time, just like clockwork, and you know where they're headed. They're headed to church. You might know that they do their devotions faithfully every morning. They never miss. You might know that they write out a tithe check every week or every month. What does it mean to be a Christian? What does it look like? I may have mentioned before my friend, his name was Chuck Lampka. He actually lived in Oregon, but he ministered to the uh, people at Lame Deer. Came a couple of times a year and held meetings and, and uh, spent most of the summer with them. And when Chuck, the first time I met him was when I was the assistant pastor in a church. And this guy walked in and he had on a sport jacket and a turtleneck sweater. And he had a great big cross. I mean, it was about, about that tall and about that wide, wooden cross around his neck. I thought, whoa, that's the biggest cross I've ever seen anybody wear. Uh, you see somebody driving down the street, and they've got a bumper sticker on. Always makes me nervous. Got a bumper sticker on that says Jesus, or I love Jesus, or honk if you love Jesus. If you put one of those bumper stickers on your car, you want to be really careful how you behave yourself in the car. I wouldn't, I wouldn't dare put one, one of those on because I talk to too many drivers. My friend, Dr. Courtney, was the pastor of Angelus Temple after Amy Semple McPherson passed away. Brilliant guy. Wonderful, wonderful, godly, good man. And he was probably in his 80s when he came to speak at Faith Chapel. He's spoken three services in a row. And uh, his wife stood beside him. She read the scriptures, and he, he delivered the sermon. And they came in an uh, RV with another couple, went fishing. He didn't know it was catching and release, and so when they released the big trout that he just caught, he just about had a heart attack. And... Sunday after church, after we'd, he'd preached all those services, we took him to lunch at Dos Machos. And they brought the food, and when they brought the food, Dr. and Mrs. Courtney joined hands, and they extended their hands like for everybody else to join hands, which, you know, isn't that unusual, but then they started singing this song. And... Uh, here we are in Dos Machos, and we're saying this. It was kind of a corny little little song. And we were kind of embarrassed. And <laughs> so after church, or after we finished, they said, let's go out to breakfast tomorrow. And Ginger said, I don't think I'm going to be able to do that. <laughs> so what does it mean to be a Christian? What does God expect? Mark chapter 12, beginning in verse 28 communicates these familiar words. One of the teachers of the law came and 
heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one answered Jesus is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second, we talked about the first part last week, the second is love your neighbor as yourself. And we know by the parable of the Good Samaritan that a neighbor is anyone that we come across. Whatever their station in life, whatever relationship or lack of relationship with them, anybody we come across, anybody that's within our reach, our ability to help is our neighbor. So Jesus, in those words, summed up 613 commands from the Old Testament into those words, love God and love people. Later, Jesus, in John, it's recorded in John chapter 13, Jesus said, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, and I have these words underlined there intentionally, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So the identifying mark of a follower of Christ is that he or she loves their neighbor. That's the evaluation. It's not our tithe. It's not how many times we attend church. Uh, it is that we love people the way that Jesus loved us. So I want to go through three things this morning. The first is, what can God expect of me? The second is, what can God expect or what can others expect of me? And the third is, what can I expect from myself? So first of all, what can God expect of me? When I wrote that phrase, when I was writing this sermon, immediately it came to my mind, you know, uh, an incident at work and then an incident at home. You probably all heard your parents or you said to your parents when they ask you to do something, what do you expect? It's like, it's beyond your reach. What do you expect of me? That's beyond me. Well, fill in the blank there. God is love. It doesn't say love is God. It says God is love. That, that means that the attribute that describes the essence of God is love. God loves. That characterizes Him. And we are called to imitate God's love, to love people like God loves us. Ephesians 5.1, Paul says, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love. Live a life of love. Uh, I don't know if you've read the book or not, but the phrase WWJD is familiar to you, I'm sure. It was written by a man. I believe, I, I didn't look it up to, to verify this again, but I believe his name was Sheldon. And I, I wrote the book, or I read the book, where he over and over again uh, talked about the phrase, what would Jesus do? In any and every situation in life, if you ask yourself, what would Jesus do in this situation? 
How would Jesus treat this person? How would Jesus handle this situation? I think it's a pretty safe, safe way to live your life. The word love, as virtually all of you know, is, is translated from the word agape, which is the kind of love that is not like you see on television. You know, people will always say, well, this feeling just came over me. I'm in love. And the problem with that is that that feeling can dissipate so quickly. When Ginger and I were dating, she described it as butterfly. I got a butterfly. She said to me one time, what if, what if I don't get butterflies anymore? She laughs about that now. She's about, but that was pretty shallow, wasn't it? Agape has to do with, as you probably remember, a decision. A decision how you will treat someone. A decision about how you will act towards someone, how you will communicate with someone. It, it involves affection, or it can involve affection, but it's more than that. It's a decision to choose to love to someone, whether they're your family, a neighbor, even your enemy. Jesus loved his enemies on the cross. He doesn't ask us to do anything that he hasn't done. Imagine being tortured, humiliated on the cross, and then expressing love toward the people that did that to you. Jesus exemplified this kind of love. So uh, if, you, if you're in a relationship with a family member, how do you treat them? People at work. a neighbor that you don't like very well. How do you relate to them? Some people, this is really easy. Some people, it's very challenging. I'll give you an illustration about myself uh, toward the conclusion that illustrates that. There's a man named Doug Meland and his wife went to Brazil. They went to an Indian tribe there where white people had been there previously and had exploited the people in this village. And so the word white man was not, a, was not a pretty word. They'd burned their houses, they'd taken their land, they'd exploited them. So when the Milan showed up, uh, they began loving these people. Pretty soon they, they called him the respectable white man. There's a difference between a white man and a respectable white man. They kept loving them and caring for them and expressing love of Christ toward them, and pretty soon they started calling him a white Indian. <laughs> In other words, he's okay. He's white, but he's okay. And eventually, they were having a foot washing service, and this, this missionary washed the feet of one of the Indians. And people said, who, is, who could imagine him washing the foot of an Indian? And so they came to refer to him as the man that God sent. Imagine transitioning from one that they feared, one that they detested, to this is the man that God sent us. Why did they say that? Because he loved them. Because of the way that he served them. Mother Teresa is probably one of the ultimate com contemporary examples of this. I, I just can't even imagine. She goes to Calcutta and she 
It goes out on the streets of Calcutta where people are dying by the thousands and she just one by one holds them in her arms while they're dying. In her arms. Jesus said, For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you as a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, he's talking about the end times, the king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine you did for me. Notice again the contrast between how we normally think about a Christian and how God will evaluate us at the end of time in terms of how we treat people, how we love people, but we love people as he loved us. So we know what God expects. Secondly, what can people expect of me? The, the date January 6th, when I say that, that brings something to your mind, right? It's when uh, the Capitol was overrun. Some people believe that they were motivated by uh, President Trump. Others believe they did that on their own. Doesn't matter for the point of this illustration, but they broke into the Capitol building broke into the Senate chamber, tore things up. And it was remarkably noted that when everything settled down and people were being exited out of the building, there was one Democratic representative who was on his hands and knees helping clean up the mess. Everybody else was talking about what happened and why it happened. He was on his hands and knees cleaning up the mess. There was a man who was the governor of Oregon, then he was a United States senator from Oregon for a number of years. His name was Mark Hatfield. And he was well known for his Christian faith. And after banquets and those kinds of things, when everybody else was visiting or people would leave, Mark Hatfield would be stacking chairs with the custodians, getting everything put back in order again. What can people expect of me? A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, and of course what he, what he had just expressed his love doing was washing their feet, which was not a religious ritual, it was just a household chore, washing the dung off their feet. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So. The, the languages of love. Ginger's love language, that means a lot to her, is serving. I know, in fact, it always, it still surprises me after 50 years of marriage. Uh, if I clean up the kitchen after dinner, or if I do something outside, a couple of days ago I went out and I trimmed these branches off of a couple of shrubs that were sticking out from the snowstorm, trimmed those off and when I walked in the door Ginger gave me a great big hug and told me how much she loved me. 
that was that elicits love in her when I serve her in some way, filling her car with gas, getting her car washed, any of those kinds of things, just means so much to her. That's what it means to love like Jesus loves. Again, the washing of feet was not a religious ritual, it was a household chore, regard for the lowest slave. That's the way he expressed his love to them. Someone said, love at first sight is easy to understand. It's when two people have been looking at each other for years that it becomes a miracle. <laughs> people can expect people can expect love from us, not only love from us, but love that is sincere. You know the uh, Levi's jeans. I don't know if it still says it on there or not, but it used to say Levi's genuine. The real this is the real thing. Those Wranglers, they're not the real thing. This is the real thing. Those Lees, show you how naive I was. You know, Lee jeans, when I was in the second grade, I thought, when I saw Lee jeans, I thought, well, I wish they'd put my name on their je on my jeans. I thought that was somebody's name, somebody's name. Levi's, genuine, the real deal. We all know that hypocrite means an actor, someone who wears a mask. Do you ever have someone who is not sincere, try to convince you that they love you? How does that come across to you? It's, it's just the opposite of the impact that they would hope that it would have. Wearing a mask, pretending. We're not to pretend that we love people, we're to love people. So, uh, Allie and Victor, stand up for just a second, would you? So how do we know that since someone is sincere in their love. So what if I said, I want you to turn and face each other and you don't really need to do this, I'm just gonna make a joke, but you can turn and face each other and Victor, I want you to kiss Allie and I wanna, I wanna see how long you can hold that kiss. <laughs> And the sincerity of your love is measured by how long you hold that kiss. Oh, man. <laughs> I read about someone who did that, and they held a kiss for 105 minutes and 48 seconds. We don't have time for that this morning, so you can, you can practice that when you go home. Okay, okay. <laughs> Thanks. You all remember Harry Truman. They found in Truman's library, presidential library, 1,300 letters that he had written to his wife while he was the president, while he was in the White House. 1,300. Now imagine, I think he was the president for seven years. Imagine the schedule of a president. And yet he took the time, in that period of time, to write 1,300 letters to his wife. When they were separated from one another, he'd write them a letter. He was traveling someplace or she was traveling someplace. Can't even imagine. What do people expect of us? They expect us 
to be like the Good Samaritan, that when others pass by, that we would stop and take the time to help. Thirdly, what can I expect of myself? Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children and live a life of love. Y'all remember my famous love glasses? Put on these glasses, one, one lens represents loving God, one lens represents loving people. Hope you'll always remember this. When I put on my love glasses, the way I see life is I love God. Good day, bad day, mediocre day, doesn't matter. I love God. That's the way I see life. And secondly, I love people. Bad people, good people, dumb people, smart people. People that are convenient, people that are inconvenient, doesn't matter. I love people. I can expect myself to live a life of love. Romans 12, 21 says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's one of my life verses, and it's so hard to live. We, we tend to respond or react to evil with evil. He says, rather than react evil with evil, react with good. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Someone said, it's not a chore for me to love the whole world. My only real problem is to love my neighbor. Isn't that the truth? So I can expect that my love will be reflected by my words and my actions. Are you ever disappointed with yourself with regard to this? Boy, I am. I was, uh, this happened maybe two months ago. I was playing golf and there was a group ahead of us. There's one particular person in that group who uh, is kind of a butthead. <laughs> and uh, he's kind of a big guy and he irritates a lot of people. I, I hate to even admit this, but confession is good for the soul, I guess. All the way during that round, I bet 10 times it came to my mind. I bet I could hit him five times before he hit the ground. <laughs> Is that amazing? I just kept thinking that over and over again. And, and, I, and I knew better, and I felt a little bit bad about it, but I kept doing it. I saw him after the game in the clubhouse, and he apologized for the game being so slow. How do you think I felt? I thought, oh, Lord. I got a ways to go. I do pretty well with it most of the time, but sometimes we get lazy. You know when a weed, if you ever tried to pull a weed and it, and it was in dry ground, what happens? It just breaks off. But if you soak the ground... You just pull the weed out because the ground is soft. I want my heart to be soft. 
How many think you've got a little room to grow in terms of loving people? Me too. So I want you to bring maybe one or two people to your mind that you're, uh, maybe you're struggling with them right now. Maybe they don't even know it. But you're struggling to love them. Just bring them to your mind. And Lord, we want to hold them up to you today. And more than holding them up to you, we want to hold ourselves up to you. Lord, would you just remind us how much grace, how much grace you've given me, how much mercy you have shown toward me, and that your mercy is new every morning. It never runs out. You're rich in mercy. Lord, help, help me, help us to love people the way that you love us. You said that would be the measure of, of our relationship with you. So for this situation that we're holding up to you right now, would you give us opportunity to not with hypocrisy, not putting on a mask, but to sincerely begin to express our love to that other person, whoever they might be, whatever they might have done. We love you today, Lord, and thank you so much for your goodness to us. I, I thank you every day for your grace toward me. Help me to show my appreciation by showing, showing that same grace to others. I wonder this morning if there's anyone here that has not yet received God's grace. I just want to remind you that this isn't something that we earn. So many people think, well, I'm not good enough to be a Christian. God would never accept me. God would never love me. No, that's the amazing thing about God is he loves us where we are before we respond. He can't love us anymore. And when we respond, he extends his hand toward us. We reach out and grab his hand and we begin to follow him and respond to his love day by day. If you've never done that, everybody else's heads are bowed. Their eyes are closed. I'd like to ask you just to lift your, lift your head, lift your hand. And just in doing so, you'd be saying, I want, I want to receive the love of God today. I want to receive God's grace in my life today. May I see you. God bless you. God bless you, man. It's not a matter of you being good enough. God doesn't want you to pay. He paid for you. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for this one who responded this morning. And and all of us would say again, thank you for loving us so much. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So the one that uh, raised your hand this morning, I'd like to encourage you to move toward the Connect booth. Allie will be at the Connect booth, and she has some materials that she would share with you. And if you'd like to be baptized in the water, we'd love to baptize you. Next opportunity we have. All right. Have a great week. God bless you. See you later.